You're listening to the Uncensored Direct Marketing Show. This show is designed for direct response marketers who want raw, unfiltered conversion tips and secrets to scale their offers profitably to reach their next million. I'm Maria Sparagas. I'm the founder of Direct Paynet and your host. Now let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of Uncensored Direct Marketing. Today, I have a very special guest. We're going to be talking about ads, native ads, and, and a different part of uh, direct response business. We focused quite a few episodes on copywriting and putting together an offer. Um, and I have today Eli Cohen, who's going to help us learn a little bit about native ads and how to promote your offer once it's launched. So thank you so much, Eli, for uh, hopping on my show. Um, and I'm very excited to talk to you. Uh, so I, I I will tell our audience that we met through the direct response marketers group. Um, so I, I guess um, shout out to D for putting that uh, group together and connecting all these different people in the space. Um, so, I mean, Eli, I don't know you very well, but yeah. we did connect because I um, I saw a couple of your posts and I'm, I was interested in doing a couple of episodes on my podcast on on uh, ads, native ads, and all kinds of different types of advertising. So I put out a call to Eli and Eli said, yes, I will be on my show. So I'm really excited to have you on. Um, can you tell us a little bit, you know, just about your path, what you're working on and how you got into uh, buying ads? Yeah, for sure. Well, first off, thanks for having me on. It's really awesome. This is my first uh, type of interview of, of any kind. So it's kind of cool. Uh, I, I feel a little proud about You're going to do great. Yeah. <laughs> I feel, I feel proud about my career and my accomplishments so far. Um, and if I'm a little nervous, I'll probably start out a little nervous and then I'll get more comfortable as we go. Um, yeah, so so buying ads in media, like if you look at copy, copy is a sales multiplier. And then if you look at media with, with whatever channel that is, you can think of that as more of a sales driver, right? And they go hand in hand. Um, if someone specializes in writing copy, you want to get as many eyeballs to that copy as you possibly can. And that's where buying ads and buying media comes in. Um, so my start is uh, I learned about internet marketing and online advertising like 10 years ago, actually. I'm 27 now. So in high school, a junior year of high school, I was browsing internet forums because I was like kind of a computer nerd and figured that there had to be some other type of way to have a career and make money besides like college and then corporate and then work 40 years and then retire. Like that to yeah. me was my idea of, like what I wanted to do with my life wasn't congruent with, you know, being in that part of the system. Maybe it's for other people personally, for me, like, I just, I just can't, I don't, I don't fit. Um, so that was 10 years ago. And it's just like planting the seed in my mind. And then um, I had tried like a lot of different kinds of ventures, like eBay, flipping hustles, like building websites for people doing like pretty much like hustling <laughs> like in any which way to Sunday. Um, and then when I went to college, I had one business that was like an econ business, did well for a little while and then like flopped. And then after that, I was like, okay, you know what? Like, let's just figure out this online marketing stuff and go full on with media buying. And I took a couple of courses on, uh, on native ads. And this was like 2016, 2017. One of them was from a guy named James Van Ellswick. So I want to name drop him because he's been, he's awesome. Um, so I learned how to buy media on native and for native, all native ads are is it's native content, right? So native ads are like, they're, they're pretty much like sponsored content on news articles and different websites that you see online. But also yeah. the big platforms, their ads are transitioning over to native ad units because native ads, they just don't look like an ad, right? It looks like content. If you look at like on the on Forbes or CNN or something that has sponsored content below an article, and you have these weird images with headlines and like funny stuff like eat this one weird fruit to, you know, clear your bowels or something like that. Right. So these ads get like millions and millions and millions of impressions. And um, and this is like very high quality traffic. And uh, so my lane was buying media for clients while in college. And some of those clients were like more e-com style. And then. Over time, I started breaking more into like the, the DR space. And that's kind of been like my career come up is direct response, media buyer for native. Okay, that's cool. So yeah. you've you've really focused on native. Like, have you ever had a chance to to test out like Facebook or YouTube traffic or any other traffics? Or why why did you choose the lane, I guess, of native? Yeah, I think native is fun to me. Also, it's a little bit more direct response friendly. 
Facebook, you know, they have their compliance policies and it's like a beast in itself. And Facebook is great for like VSLs to e-com offers and e-com pages. Also, Facebook, it can get very expensive, especially during Q4 when everybody's buying like ads in the same ad spot, the mobile newsfeed ad, their inventory gets sold out. Um, so there's that. Also, YouTube, I haven't run much YouTube, but I definitely want to test it. Um, they have a lot of interesting placements. So as a media buyer, I'm not married to one traffic source. I'll test anything that converts. It's, okay. it's pretty much just like, where do you want to put your eggs in, in one basket or multiple baskets, right? Yeah. And as a media buyer, I think this is one of your questions that we can just jump to it. As a media buyer, I think it's really good to not view yourself as like a jack of all trades because it's impossible. It's impossible to be expert at Facebook and YouTube and Facebook and Google AdWords. There's so many intricacies for each. And what I like doing is just focusing in one lane. And now I, and also while you're building media buying, while, while you're building your skills, you're building your relationship with the traffic sources and your relationship with your clients. And now I have people that like, they reach out to me, I make referrals. So okay. that's kind of been the lane that I chose. And it just, okay. kind of, it just sort of worked out. I never really, yeah. That's that's usually what happens. I mean, even uh -huh. in my career, you know, it just it just happened. I, I never said, you know, I want to grow up and sell merchant accounts. You know, I just <laughs> you just kind of get you do yeah. a couple of things and you're like, oh, well, this this is working. Let me just kind of focus on there. But I mean, I do want to dig in a little bit on like what is native and and how, how mm -hmm. you you buy native ads and so forth, because I, I am, you know, uh, I'm a little bit, uh, you know, I, I am a complete beginner in terms of like yeah. ad buying. So I'm, I'm looking to learn. And I'm also trying to, you know, educate our audience and kind of understand because they, I, I, people usually get, you know, Facebook ads, you put it out on Facebook, go through compliance, go forth, same thing with YouTube and so forth. But native seems to be a little bit of the gray area where people are like, what is native? Like how, how yeah. do I get there? Like, what do I do? So I'm just curious in terms of native, native ads, you know, you, you mentioned first that they're well suited for, for direct response, um, obviously, cause there's less compliance, but what is a native ad and how do you place a native ad? Like the, the most basic, yeah. basic question. Yeah, for sure. Also like on the compliance side you definitely still like the, the networks the native guy networks they have their compliance policies so i'm not saying like it's like a wide open season for dr it's just different it's just different yes. they have editorial and content policies so it's just different um and then yeah so like native native 101 is basically native ads are just content that is native to the structure of a web property a mobile okay. website a desktop website a news site a blog it could be anything and over the past few years like over the past you know 10 years or so, native is not new. Like it's been around for a while um, and publishers. So I'll look like for now, for the rest of the conversation, like a publisher was used as a website. Um, websites like their, their revenues have been declining, right? If you look at a lot of the media outlets, a lot of the print media outlets and a lot of these different companies, their digital, their digital revenue has replaced their subscription revenue for newspapers or, or print or whatever, mm -hmm. right? So they, they want to generate as high as much revenue as they can per impressions. And that's where the native networks that come in. The native networks, the big ones are Taboola and Outbrain, both Israeli companies, and there's other native networks as well. And all native is, is these networks, they own their software that delivers ads to like thousands and thousands of different websites at a given time. Okay. Yeah, and that's the way it works. And then if you're a media buyer or if you're an offer owner and you wanna run native traffic, you contact one of these traffic sources and then you can set up a campaign similar to how you would set up a campaign on Facebook or Google AdWords or, or YouTube. There's a self-service dashboard and you have an ad campaign. And then within the ad campaign are your ad creatives. And the ad creatives are images and headlines that you want to combine together. Um, and then you can optimize. Like if you want me, if you want me to like totally break down like how to launch and optimize and, and campaigns and stuff like that, we, we certainly can. I don't know how in-depth you want to go. Well, well, I mean, this gave me a good gave me a yeah. good uh, insight, and we'll we'll dig in a little bit more um, as we go in the episode because I have some other questions. But I am um, I am curious as to the structure of the ad. Um, yeah. So not to you know not to get super deep because I know there's a lot of people that are listening that some people have health supplements, some people have biz ops and stuff like that. Just kind of a general overview of like you know I know that I, what I see on Facebook, and I started looking at native because I was curious. You know, I, I hear it a lot from the 
DR people that we work with is native ads and so forth. So I started looking at it and I did notice myself is like Facebook actually looks more like an ad. Like when I see a Facebook ad, it looks like an ad. I find native, like you said, it's more like newsy. It's more like, uh, I don't know if I could use the word like clickbaity. It's a little Um, bit more like top 10 things that get rid of a zit. And you're like, oh shit, like I have a zit. Let me see if I can, you know, (laughs) so it kind of gets you there. And obviously at the end it, it sells you a product, but is that, is that, you know, is that why, why is that? First of all, why is it like more newsy? Is it because of the the places that it's being placed or does that, do people still try to put ads on there? Like, well, what's the, the strategy behind the actual ad on native? The strategy from there's different perspectives of where you're looking at it from, right? So there's different players. So there's the publisher who's a website who wants to get paid. The ad network is the one who's paying the publisher and then the advertiser. The advertiser is the one paying, paying the network, right? Yeah. So the publisher and the network, they have a relationship where the network says to the publisher, hey, we can guarantee you a certain RPM revenue per 1,000 impressions that's going to beat what you're going to get from Google AdSense, right? So they typically they'll pay like five to eight X what they would make from AdSense. Now, um, these ads are inherently going to be a little bit more clickbaity. Okay, so that's why different publishers like MSN has strict compliance, but uh, you know Breitbart may have a, a different compliance policy. So the ads on Breitbart may be more like you know before and afters or weight loss or something heavy, like drink this one weird thing today and lose fifteen pounds overnight, right? So something like that, because the publisher wants they're okay with um, more aggressive ads and they they want to make more money. It just really depends. Right. And then the network, so the the network wants to balance the relationship between their publishers and their advertisers. Their advertisers like us, we're buying clicks. So that's the way that that you get charged on any native network is you pay per click. And we want those clicks to to generate conversions. Um, So it's it's the ad network's job to service as many clicks as as we can possibly buy. But we're, we're only going to buy clicks if the traffic backs up. Right. So they have to make sure that we're not buying like this is an interesting thing Like there's a lot of fraud traffic. There's a lot of there's a lot of junk. There's a lot of weird stuff that goes on in the back back end. Um, So if you're new to native and you want to spend like 5K, 10K and you don't have it set up properly, like you can blow your budget out in uh, two days. And then the network's like, oh, sorry, we we took your money. Uh, Better luck next time. Right. So so there's huge volume. There's huge scale. You just have to have a specific strategy that aligns with uh, with what your goals are. Okay. So uh, if we talk about, you know, kind of spending money on native and so forth, and you were talking about the networks, like when you're talking about networks, you're talking about like a, a media outlet, or are you talking about Taboola and and the, the, the I guess, the resellers of the ads? Like would yeah. I, let's say I have a, a, you know, a health supplement or whatever, would I go directly to Taboola or is there an advantage to working with, you know, a media buyer, for example, like you or somebody that you know uh, to or, or just in general, somebody who's a media media buyer, like, is there what, I guess, what are the advantages and disadvantages of, of me saying, okay, well, I, I want a native ad. I'm just going to open an account with Taboola, yeah. you know, take a piece of my website because I had a copywriter write it. So it's good copy and throw an image on there and let's test it versus having like a, a specific strategy and working with a media buyer. Yeah. That's a, that's a perfect question. Cause it's like, it's, it's, it makes a lot of sense. So if you're an offer owner, as I, so I am now also an offer owner. I buy my media and now I also own a health and beauty offer. If you're an offer owner and you've never bought media before and you want to buy ads on Taboola or Outbrain or Rev Content or MGID or any of these networks, go right ahead, set a budget and stick to that budget. That's your test budget. Okay. I wouldn't say it's a burn budget, but you're going to use that budget to buy data. Okay. Okay. And and, and that's, that's really what it is. So you're, you're buying traffic, you're buying clicks. And you're going to see a breakdown of like all this different data from those clicks. Some of them will convert, some of them won't, but you'll start to learn how to buy media. If you want to expedite the process, go to a media buyer and you can either go to affiliates. You can either have an offer for affiliates that are native affiliates, or you can have an internal native media buyer who will manage your campaigns for you. And this is the way, this is how my career progressed, right? So I was like, yeah. all right, let me do this. Let me be an internal media buyer for direct response advertisers that's paid on performance only. So wow. I take a percentage of the profit that I generate. So my incentive is to crush. My yeah. incentive is not to just charge an agency fee. Because there's a lot of agencies that sell, oh, we buy media as well. But 
I don't know how good they are and how not great they are, right? Plus they have a retainer or, or whatever. So when you go to a media buyer, a media buyer understands the optimization process. And we typically know if we look at funnels that have been running for like six to 12 months on native, we know the flow that converts well. And usually yeah. the flow that converts well is like native ad to pre-lander to offer page. And the offer page could be a VSL or a, a video sales letter or a, or a long form sales letter or a more e-com style page. It depends on the vertical. Yeah, yeah. it depends on the vertical and, and the geo. Um, but also like with the seasoned media buyer that, that you trust, you can scale quicker, you can buy more data and um, typically you're not gonna like burn all your budget. Yeah, I mean, it definitely sounds like to me, if if I were to launch an offer, um, yeah. let's say if I were to say, you know, oh, I'm going to focus on native, you know, because obviously it's hard to kind of crush it all across the Facebook uh, native and, and YouTube and so forth. So if I say, yeah. okay, well, I'm, I'm starting my offer, I'm going to do a health offer, I'm going to do native. It feels like, you know, just talking to you uh, briefly, even just like the last couple of minutes is like, it's almost like a full-time job to, to yes. really... Yeah crush it on it. So it's, it's, it, it probably, in my opinion, you know, if you have a budget um, and somebody's willing to be performance-based, it, it would be likely the best solution to, to work with somebody at least to, to get started because it would take a long time to, to really test all this stuff out. And, and do you find like testing wise, just in general, obviously you focus on native, but just from what, you know, Facebook, YouTube um, and native, would you say that native's the easiest one to kind of get uh, bigger bang for your buck faster than Facebook? Like which one would you say like, okay, well, if you place a good ad, this one will convert the fastest. I don't know. Maybe it's, it, maybe it's hard to say, but I'm just curious, like, yeah. would you say that it, one would get you to, to, you know, uh, a good place faster? Yeah. I think it just depends on like what the business is running, like what the offer is, right. Cause there's offers that are good for, I call them like kosher offers. <laughs> there's there's offers that are okay for Facebook and okay for YouTube, but not for native. There's offers that are okay for native and not for Facebook or YouTube. So I don't really want to compare apples to oranges because they're, okay. they're totally different platforms. Um, and if you're a direct response business and you have the, the smart move is to have, have multiple funnels and match the funnel for the traffic source and then have uh, like a, a KPIs that are incentivized for people, whoever's running your traffic to perform for that traffic source. Facebook is different. YouTube is totally different because it's all the medium that they're consuming content is all video, right? Okay. Um, and native ads are typically image and text. They are rolling out like in, in feed video units, but these video units do look like advertisements, right? So if your advertorial, if your sales page doesn't look like, if you look, if you study like the, the old school direct response sales letters, the ads, the sales letters don't look like an ad. It looks like a letter yeah. written to somebody, right? Like the, the original Wall Street Journal sales letter, like the the, the tale of two men or, or what? Or, uh, I forget the exact title of it, but it's, it's one of my favorite like old school direct response, response sales pieces. It looks like a letter, right? And a lot of the a lot of the really strong native offers and sales pages and some of the DSLs, they don't look like ads. So people, their guard is down. On Facebook and YouTube, the pre, those pre-roll ads, like. I don't know how many people I skip through the YouTube videos most of the time, unless there's a cool video that I see. So as far as, as far as buying data quickly and scaling quickly on native, if you're an advertiser, look at what other people are running in your vertical. If you're yeah. weight loss or if you're, if you're like, I mean, a big one is like fungus or male, like male enhancement or, you know, these offers still can yeah. run. Dating converts, app installs convert. Um, even CBD is, is, is big now as well. So I would really just look at what else is running and then match your offer to be similar to that bear or, or that version. Okay. So, I yeah. mean, whatever the, the lesson that I get here is that your offer can work on all three, uh, but you need to have a different strategy for all three, like a native ad will have a different strategy and so forth. Do you find that native, um, native ads are for a more like an older crowd? Like I get the impression yeah. that, um, it's, it's like more, you know, like people who are on like MSN are not necessarily, you know, the youngest, <laughs> the spring chicken. Like, I mean, I used to use MSN messenger, like in 2006 or something and I, and everybody just kind of got off of it. But um, I feel like when I, when I listen to you, I feel like native is for, you know, 50 plus. Is that, is that usually what you think or, or what I mean, you see? All, 
all demographics are being served these ads and these impressions. But when, after buying media for you know four or five years now and looking at a breakdown and then being able to like read reports and like pull user data on on different like gender and age, it yeah. skews over. It skews over. Okay. Um, especially like if someone wants a, a tip, like MSN desktop converts really well for VSLs if they want to test that. So get oh, nice. that as far as you can. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That, that you heard it works. here first, guys. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. I mean, it's not a cheap placement either, but when you can dial it in, like you can really scale. Um, okay. So yeah, yeah, it typically skews to baby boomers, really. Um, but you know, everyone is looking at articles on their phone about you know the latest political news about whatever. So I, I'm guilty. I sometimes I get suckered into these like top ten things you can eat in the morning to have a flat belly. And you, we've read mm-hmm. like a million of them, but you're like, eh, let me read one more, see what happens. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then you get targeted for that stuff. So um, yeah. do you find that in terms of targeting, like talking about you know we're talking about age and stuff like that, uh, in terms of like targeting your audience for your ad, like I know Facebook, you can get so granular, you can like yeah. drill yeah. it down to like who's his cousin kind of thing. Um, with Nate what kind of targeting can you get yeah it depends on the network it really depends on the network also um you can set targeting settings in the campaign when you create the campaign you can target like age demographic you can target like there's all these third-party data providers for taboola and outbrain where you can target people who are like smart shoppers or have an affinity for health or, or stuff like that okay um, you can test that typically like yeah, you can, you can certainly test that and it, it can work. It just depends on how you have things set up. But I typically just leave that, turn that off. And I usually qualify the prospect with the ad. That's usually okay. how. Yeah. So yeah. You, you cookie them basically and you just follow them around. Is that it? Or kind you of can, retarget? You can, yeah, you can definitely do retargeting campaigns. You can also share audiences between different traffic sources for your different retargeting campaigns, which is another tip. If you use like a third-party retargeting network, you can retarget your audience from native and you can retarget them with ads on like Facebook and YouTube and uh, Google Display, like all around the ecosystem. It, it, it's a smart way of doing it. And also for people who, who can implement this for your retargeting campaign, set up a separate funnel and split test your funnel. Okay. So yeah, like you, basically you retarget yeah. your, your, like if somebody lands on your native ad, you retarget them on Facebook, on YouTube or whatever, but you create a separate ad. You're saying like, don't retarget them with the same stuff. Is that what you're? Yeah, so, that, so, right? so you, can, you can segment it out, right? So if somebody goes to your funnel ad lander to offer and they don't convert, you can retarget them and send them back to your offer or back to a checkout page or back to or to a different page of like, hey, you left, but here's the twenty percent discount. Test this today and track that, right? Okay. Yeah, and you can That's do that awesome. like all. Like you can do that through the whole funnel. You can do like from people that just clicked add to lander and then didn't go to the offer page. You can set them as a different segment and then send them to the full, you can send them directly to the offer page if you want. Our retargeting campaigns for me have always been like, it's like free money pretty much. I, you know, I, I feel the same. I hear, you know, I've been, I'm, I'm studying ads and I'm studying a lot of, you know, this just pure interest and obviously for, for the podcast and different things that I'm doing. And I'm like, you know, to me, the money is retargeting. If somebody sees your ad and you know, it's kind of the, the old adage, it takes like seven times for somebody to see you to start trusting you, even though there's nothing different from the first ad to the the last ad. Um, I mean, I feel like you said, it's, it's, once somebody sees you three or four or five, six times, um, it starts getting into their head. And then, you know, you, you're, you're probably getting a much more qualified buyer than just, you know, randomly getting new traffic. But uh, that's really interesting, you know, retargeting people from native to go to Facebook. And then with, with Facebook, I guess you can get more data also from Facebook. So you really get to know that person that's coming into your funnel and so forth. Um, When we're talking, I want to just one last question on this, like whole targeting topic, because I'm just, this is, selfishness i'm pure, purely curious about this but um when you you say like you can target you know through the different ad networks uh, you know these ad networks like tabula and all the the different big ones like they they have limited amount of data other than like you know i guess you're like because facebook will know how old you are where you went to high school what you did uh, where you work all this stuff but how does Tabula and all these other networks other than, cause to me, when I, when I first, before I spoke with you and before I started getting into this, I thought that native ads were almost like a TV ad it's on yeah. and it's just on, you know what I mean? Like, like I could be watching TV and it's like adult diapers. Well, obviously it's not targeted to me, but like, you know, it's just there. So I figured that that native was very similar. You just kind of 
put something up there and you know, it's, it's, it just shows up, but you're saying you can actually dig in, um, to, to like a target, but how do they get that information? Of, like, I'm just, I, I know this is a bit of a technical question. I don't yeah, know. No, 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 really but I'm curious. Yeah. So when you set your campaign, depending on the objective, if you're looking for conversions or if you're looking for website visits or app installs, these yeah. native networks, like they're, they're, they're pretty smart. So they have algorithms built and developed where they serve certain types of ads per media property. So they know like the demographic breakdown from that media property. Oh, okay. And that media property shares that information with them. So if you're on like, uh, I don't know, some type of a Huffington Post or something like that, and you're a female, then the algorithm for Taboola and Outbrain, they use AI. They're, they're really smart. They're really wow. smart. Um, these guys are like high level computer data analysts and scientists and like way, way beyond my knowledge level of, of computer okay. science. Um, okay. but, uh, so, so they, so they'll, they'll match your content to the right audience. And okay. they also have, they also have like performance lists of publishers. So if you're a DR advertiser, if you're, if you own a health supplement or, or anything also, here's, here's another point. Native is not only for DR native, native content is perfect for any brand, any direct to consumer e-commerce brand or any kind of brand that wants more users, right? Because people, um, they're, they're used to consuming content. And if your content is informative and can help them like solve a need or a product, they'll sign up. Whether that's like buying a mattress, like one of these Casper or one of these direct to consumer yeah. companies, right? So this is where like a lot of spend is transitioning over to native and every platform is coming out with native ads because this is native content that you can promote. And that's really what it is. Like that's the where the internet is just content consumption. Like this podcast, which is awesome, by the way, is content consumption. Yeah, yeah, right? And then Facebook is all user-generated content consumption. And native is just you're amplifying pieces of content. And for the DR people, we just want that to convert. But for other advertisers, they may have different goals. No, I mean, that that's super interesting. So basically they're getting, they're you're targeting through the demographic data of each of the, the platforms, which is really great because you still, I was under the impression that there was not much targeting. You just, you know, it's almost like you just put it on there and you say, you know, okay, I want something more liberal or something more, right. you know, right wing or whatever the case is. So that's, that's yeah. super interesting. Um, I, I'm curious about, you know, just the actual, media or the actual, uh, ad that you're placing. And, you know, we had a, a, a quick discussion. I'm not going to get into it, but you were mentioning about copywriting and yeah. media buying kind of being tied in. So how would you say, like, would you say that, you know, let's say a copywriter is kind of getting started. I had Stefan Georgi on my podcast a, a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying, you know, we were talking about you know, copywriting, uh, email copywriting and long form, and then all the different types of copywriting. Would you say that media buying is almost like a form of copywriting? Like if you're a good copywriter, you might be able to translate it into like good media copy, I guess. Yeah. So Stefan is a good friend of mine. Um, we don't live far from each other here, here in Vegas. And um, so being a good media buyer inherently means that you have to be a good copywriter. Okay. Because as a media buyer, you're telling stories. Right. And as a copywriter, you're also telling stories, but as a media buyer, you get to test your copy immediately. And you know whether your campaign is working well with the story that you tell. Right. And the entrance, the entry point is image and headline. Your headline is a huge piece of that. If you look at uh, Tabula and Outbrain, they send out quarterly statistic reports of like what element of the ad generates a higher CTR. And sometimes, depending on the ad, it's the headline. Yeah. So I mean, headline headlines is, is, is to me, you know, sorry to cut you off, but like being uh, somebody that can write a good headline is that's what gets your attention. You know, like you were yeah. saying on YouTube, you know, you, we usually skip over ads and stuff like that. It's very rare, but I think you have about, you know, they used to say seven seconds. I think it's like two seconds. Now you have like a second to get somebody's attention. So, yeah. you know, your headline is like, that's it. If you, if your headline stinks, you're done. So, um, I mean, I guess you know, what you're saying is to be a good media buyer, you almost have to, you have to be a good copyright headline copywriter. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, not just headlines, not just okay. headlines. Because as a media buyer, you're testing, like any good media buyer is testing the entire funnel, right? Okay. So you have the ad and then you have the pre-lander and the pre-lander is super important. The pre-lander can be a landing page that says like a advertorial style. It could be a review page. It could be a how-to page. And you're speaking directly to your target demographic. 
Um, and it's cool because you can test pretty much immediately and you know whether it's going to convert well or not based on the data. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's funny because I find, you know, I feel like a, a media buyer, um, you know, almost controls the fate of an offer to, to a certain extent, um, <laughs> yeah. because you can have the greatest copy. You can have, you know, Stefan writing a great copy, but then you have a shippy, a shitty, um, you know, media buyer that's not sending yeah. the correct traffic there. But at the same time, you could have a great media buyer and a shitty copywriter and you're getting the traffic, but then it's not converting. So it, yeah. it, it, it almost does go hand in hand. And it, it's, it's, it, it would be hard to say, you, you almost have to have a, like a really close connection um, between the media buyer and the copywriter because it could be one of the two pieces that are broken, you know, and, and then they, yeah. they won't work together. But it, it, talking about like getting people to your page and, and so forth. And thank you, Eli. I'm, I'm, I'm having so much fun asking all these questions. It's like yeah, a, a mastermind right. for me. I'm like, I'm, yeah. I'm loving this. Yeah. I'm like, I'm getting all this free info. Um, yeah. So, you know, if, if somebody is, you know, uh, testing out, you know, uh, let's, you know, native ads, when you said you you know if it works quickly or if it if it's flops quickly, like how long do you give it, and what is the metric that you look for to say this is a dud or this needs to be reworked or this we can try retargeting campaign? Like how do you decide what's good? Do you are you the type of media buyer that tries to have you know um, like would you buy ads even though it generated a loss? Like it it was you know a loss and then try to tweak it or after like i don't know two days or whatever the case is you say okay well we're at a loss so let's cut it off and try another ad like what's the what's the process with that yeah okay so there's a, there's a few moving pieces there first as a media buyer most campaigns you run are not going to be profitable this is the way it goes okay. okay you're testing different combinations there's so many different combinations you don't know what's going to convert and what's not going to convert also to be a really good media buyer, you need to run an offer that converts. And the offers that convert well on native have broad appeal. Anything weight loss, vision, diet, dating, anything where it's like, here's the immediate benefit, because that's all people really care about, especially with the target demographic on native being baby boomers. They're so inundated with ads all the time that if you don't grab their attention, if you don't grab their attention and sell them and hook them, they're, they're, they're gone. Okay, so that's the first part. The second part is as the offer owner, make sure your offer converts, set your target CPA. Like what's your target CPA goal? Is it 80? Is it 60? Is it 50? Is it 100? Typically the offers that run at sale on native have a CPA of somewhere between 80 and 100 bucks for straight sale. It could be different for subscription. It could be different for, for app install. It could be different for e-com. It really just depends. And then tell that to your media buyer. So either your affiliate partner or your internal media buyer, give them the, the, that target CPA. That target CPA is the overall campaign CPA, okay? And if they're running multiple traffic sources, I, I, recommend, I recommend people who are like, if you're new, new, pick one traffic source, have somebody just focus on that traffic source, have an allocated budget of between five to 10K for the month, and then work with the reps at the traffic source because they want to help you succeed. Pass, sure. pass conversion data back to the traffic source. And then in the campaign, you, you set, your, if it's a purchase campaign, you set your, your campaign level CPA and there's smart algorithms that'll modify bid adjustments per publisher. So if you go, if you're like totally green and you just go and spend like 10K on one of these native networks, they can blow your budget out by serving your ad. The way this works is, and like this answers your question before, how does an ad work on native? The native algorithms are designed where they score your ad compared to the other ads. So they have like, they have inventory. There's a little rectangle of inventory at the bottom of, of most web pages. And yeah. you're, competing, you're competing against other advertisers at the same time. And you're competing against thousands of advertisers. And the algorithm is designed to where they want to optimize the, the proper bid with the proper CTR. And the CTR is how many people are clicking on the ad per impression served. So if you have a really good CTR ad and your bid is solid and you're going to win that auction and you're going to get served more impressions, you want those clicks to be qualified clicks to come through your funnel and then convert. So that's really what the key of a, of a media buyer is. And we just need to be on point. And also as an offer owner, which is what I am now, and it's, it's certainly a, a totally different lane than just as a media buyer, communicate everything with the media buyer. Like, you know, daily, daily positions, daily, daily cash flow. As a media buyer, we just live in our tracker and in our, in our, in our uh, tracking software. Like I just look at stats all day 
well, not all day, but <laughs> that's another thing. A lot, a lot of the day. <laughs> as an EMR, you literally get addicted to refreshing stats and seeing clicks and conversions come in. It's like a, it's like a dopamine hit. It's tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you get addicted to it, it's uh, it's tough to to set that to set that aside. But um, yeah, just just communicate with them, and it, so also like what makes an offer work on native, right? Like that's that's kind of your question that you're asking me for offer owners. What makes yeah. it convert? Um, you know, if your offer is already converting on other traffic sources, like with email affiliates or on display or some other source, then it could possibly convert. Just make sure you allocate time and attention to split testing different elements of your offer page. That could be the headline, that could be the close, that could be the sales letter, that could be the, the, a lead in the sales letter. It could be using before and afters or testimonials. Like there's a lot of different moving pieces. Just okay. commit to it. Just commit to making it work. Okay. So, so how, how long, so you said, you know, a, C, a good target CPA, let's, let's kind of talk about health beauty offers, kind of let's hone in on those 80 to a hundred dollars. If my front end is, let's say $67, what I'm hearing from you is that I need to have a couple of upsells. I need to have maybe a subscription. I need to have a couple of things. Like I'm not making 80 to a hundred dollars off a $67 front end, unless I'm offering bundles, but that's all also a little bit of a harder sell, I guess, you know, to get more people bundled. So how first two questions i'm, I'm yeah. going to try to keep it in, in the same realms first 80 to 100 dollars with a 67 let's say front end uh, i'm assuming needs a couple of upsells or are you saying that maybe a subscription funnel is better like how, how do you get to 80 to 100 with like a, a lower a product that's under 80 bucks for example and in, in addition yeah, to obviously product- buying the media yeah, for sure. If you have a if you have a long form sales letter or a BSL and you have different product options like the one, three, and six option, um, just test test different price points. And I'm not saying eighty to one hundred CPA is a rule. It's just kind yeah. of what I've seen. And yeah. any, any offer that's been running for two years, like if you look at Gundry um, or Golden Hippo, like their offers crush on native. Just kind of analyze their checkout flow and look at what they have. And also, if you can afford to go in the red a little bit on the front end. And your LTV is solid on the back end, and you have it's up to the offer owner to calculate what CPA they want to pay on the front end. So it could be they pay an eighty to ninety dollar CPA for maybe a forty seven dollar single option, right? But they have their back end dialed in. So this is the part where I'm also learning now as an offer owner. There's a whole like a, the business has, and also like I want to separate out from like offer owner to business owner. Being a business owner means that you own offers. An offer can be what you're offering. A specific audience on that traffic source. Some people just own an offer and they're hot on one traffic source. And then when that dies, their business kind of dies, right? So there's different perspectives to look at this. Yeah. I mean, a business, a business, you you gotta, you know, you obviously start as an offer owner, but then you gotta yeah. start adding things to your business because if not, it, you know, everything has a cycle. Like, I mean, an offer right. can't last forever. It's one product. I mean, you can reinvent it a couple of times, but after a while, uh, even Gundry, you know, has new new things coming out, and 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 all these big monster companies, uh, you know, Agoras and all the all the different. They have tons and tons of products and offers that come out. So, uh, yeah. building a business is a lot more than having an offer. That's for sure. Um, so, I mean, usually just your personal experience and, you know, we're not holding you to it here, but do you have like a certain amount of time where you just call it quits on an ad? Like, do you say three days is my hard deadline? I'm just curious, like if somebody's getting into media buying and, or somebody has an offer, maybe has a smaller budget and is wondering how long does this usually take? Like, how long should I stick it through? Okay. So, um, if they have a smaller budget, like, like, what, like under 5k, yeah, like a couple of thousand bucks or something. You know, obviously okay. you're not going to go in with a hundred bucks, but let's say three to yeah. five thousand is your budget. Like, how long do you stick it through? Yeah, so I wouldn't. Uh, I would test quicker, right? So you can do a budget of three thousand dollars for the month and spend a hundred dollars a day. If you're running an offer with a payout of fifty bucks, that means you have a hundred dollars to spend to generate two conversions. Now you don't know, right? If you have a campaign that has eight thousand different publishers running your ads on it you're only going to be served a limited amount of impressions. So what I would do is I would condense that time window down into two weeks. So I would spend three to five K right. And start with three different campaigns, desktop, tablet, and mobile, do mobile and tablet iOS and keep desktop and um, do like 250 to 300 bucks a day and just see if they convert. Right. So typically when you start a campaign, the campaign is most likely not going to be, not going to generate a positive ROI, but if you see conversions ticking through, 
then the media buyer's job is to optimize the publishers in that campaign where we want to block everything that is that is typically the rules like 2x the CPA per publisher, you block. And there's rules, there's software. I'll plug the software. There's, there's one called the optimizer, another one called um uh I forget the name of it, but I, I can add it, add it to the show notes. <laughs> we'll we'll uh, add it to the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Cause I've used so many and they change their names a lot and there's new ones that pop up all the time. Um, so it's the media buyer's job really to optimize quickly. And as, and that's really what you want to do. So you want to buy data quick, right? You, and you don't really want to string it out over a month. And that's, that, that's the thing is like, is there, there could be an offer can be hot. It could convert well, but you could spend data for, you could, you could spend, spend money on campaigns for a month or two months or three months. Like I would, I would typically not drag it out that long. I would, I just want to test because you can buy, you can buy, you know, five grand a day, ten grand a day, or a lot more on clicks when you know when you know which uh, which campaigns convert. And then also, so I'm just going to like dump information if you don't mind. No, I I <laughs> love so, it. I'm I'm I'm, very, I'm learning because I mean a yeah. lot of people have like three to five thousand. It's not a nothing budget, but it's yeah. it's like you know I've tried something like I, personally I did an ad on Facebook and we I didn't know where you know obviously we're, you know it's I mean, we're not a consumer product so it was like the targeting had to be really specific and I went yeah. with five thousand over a month and I was waiting and waiting and waiting on data and it actually never converted and I was like three weeks later I was like. Well, this, this stinks, like just turn it off. Like this is stupid. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to hear that you said like, get the data in a shorter period of time. Would you even do it in like one week? If you had, let's say 5k, would you say just put it all one week, split it over one week? Or is that too fast? No, I mean, you don't want to waste money. I would I'd probably okay. do like two, three weeks. Two right? weeks. Okay. You, okay. Yeah. You don't want to waste money. And optimizing on Facebook is different. Um, Cause there's like pixels and like smart algorithms and all this different stuff that and like also different audiences and audience interests overlapping and all these different things on Facebook. Facebook's an art in itself. Um, yeah. And on native, like, so, so pretty much on native, you have a, let's say you have a 5k budget, right? If you spend 5k and you make back 2,500, that means that your, that your campaigns have prompts, right? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're negative 50% ROI, that means that like, Hey, that's a good sign. I like that. I'm cool with that. Every campaign I've ever run that that has done well didn't start out profitable, right? If you spend nice. 100 bucks and you make back 50, okay, cool, right? So the media buyer's job, and this is what you're buying as the advertiser, is you're buying um, you're buying data per publisher, and it's the media buyer's job to upload update the campaign. There's tools that allow you to do this. There's widget optimization tools and rules you can set where yeah. per, per campaign you you're probably going to have like a handful of publishers that convert really well. And then if your overall campaign CPA is say like 60 or 70 bucks, some of the publishers in that campaign with a specific ad and landing page offer combination will generate conversions at, at 50% of your target CPA. So you could get conversions for 25 bucks, 30 bucks or less, right? And it's just up to the media buyer. It's, and this is, this is what, what determines like a good media buyer and a mediocre media buyer the media buyer will then duplicate that blacklist campaign into a new campaign, refresh creatives. So this is, this is the way it works at scale with uh, my friends who are, I'm a decent media buyer. I have friends that blow me out of the water and they have systems developed and designed to do all this, which is awesome. And typically like they also have the networks mapped out. So they know which publishers convert on which networks for which vertical, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. These guys have spent like tons and tons of money on. Yeah, on for sure. Networks. That that seems like a very big uh, a big thing to do. I mean, your life is pretty much de devoted to to building these tools, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so this is so this is the thing, right? So, as a, as an offer owner slash media buyer, like, what are your core competencies, right? You know, as an offer owner, are you focused on building a high high converting offer that converts on the back end, and you want to buy media as well? Okay, sure, you can. Or you can focus on somebody like myself and my friends who literally their lives are buying media. Like they understand these networks from a, from a nuts and bolts level. And they yeah. can just, this is the thing for media, for affiliates as well. Affiliates, uh, a lot of my affiliate friends, they master a traffic source and then they match offers to that traffic source. And that's really what a good media buyer is. A good media buyer intuitively understands what converts and what works well. And the media buyer is the, at the, the person generating sales 
and conversions. They're, they're buying media and testing copy at the same time. And that's what's cool about buying media is if you have copy that you want to write and come up with new angles and creatives and all these different things, you can test it immediately. It's a little different from an email copywriter or an upsell copywriter where you deliver the, the product, you deliver the service to the client, they get yeah. back to you like next quarter and they're like, oh, that crushed, that beat our control or sorry, that didn't beat our control. Like that, you know, it happens. Yeah. So. So, I mean, in terms of, you know, working with a media buyer, like when people are working with media buyers, how, how do you guys, like, do you guys usually, or you specifically, and just, you know, obviously you're in a network of this like cloud of media buyers that, you know, all these people, do people yeah. usually take like a percentage? Um, do they, do they like, is it like a fee plus a percentage? Like how, what would somebody expect in terms of cost or, or remuneration, uh, you know, paying somebody yeah. that's doing media buying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll be I'll be blatantly obvious. So a lot of people will say that they can buy media on native, but they really don't know what they're doing. Um, so that that is number one. If I refer somebody to someone else, that means, but from my recommendation, they're high quality. That's that's the second. Third, it just depends on it depends on what the goals are. It depends on the structure. Some media buyers do like a a, a fee plus a percentage. Some, like if you go with an agency, they may have like a, a percentage of ad spend, which I'm not super familiar or like, I'm not really supportive of that. Yeah. Um, and then other guys can do kind of like a, you know, for some of my clients, it was just performance only and it was performance on the media spend. So if you give me, here's, so you say, hey, hey, Eli, here's a, here's a 10 or 20K a month native ad budget. Here's your target CPA, your job to, to get within that range of, of that target CPA. What I would like to do is generate a profit on the media spend and take a nice hefty percentage of that profit, which has worked out for some clients. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, you know, performance-based is, is interesting because that's really like, you know, if, if you really believe in yourself, you'll, you'll get there. But I do understand there's, you know, certain clients, you just, they, they change direction very often. So you have to have yeah. different, different business models for different people. So that's interesting. I mean, in terms of like the people that you work with and just, in general, in your circle, do you find that when you're a media buyer, you stick to a lane of like, like, let's say you just do health and beauty, or do you find that it translates well, like somebody who's doing health and beauty can also do finance offers, can do all kinds of different things, or do most people, let's say like you, um, just stick to one industry? Yeah, I've run finance offers on native. They, okay. they, they convert. Um, the health and beauty industry for me as a media buyer has been solid because some of the CTRs for health and beauty on native are like sky high, which is awesome. Um, and it just kind of makes sense from a business perspective and an offer ownership perspective because it's a super large niche. And in the specific product fit that I found, it's, there's kind of like a, a need for what we have. And the marketing isn't really that great for the, for the brand and the product. So we're kind of blending like DR and e-com with this brand. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, any good media buyer can run an offer. If the okay. offer converts, a media buyer can crush it. It just has to be a converting offer. So it could be like a lot of big offers right now in finance are these, these crypto offers, which are gray hat, I would say, but they convert <laughs> really well. They yeah. convert really well. Also, there's there's smaller known native networks that only do financial. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so more like the newsy sites, I guess, or they kind of like, like so, Bloomberg so or whatever. Yeah, there's, there's Bloomberg. There's, there's also like, there's also native ad networks that are also, they're advertisers and they're publishers. So if you go on some of these money, like money CNN and some of these portals, there's one called like Dianomi or Dianomi or something like that. And they have their own ad unit. They serve their own campaigns and they have deals directly with, you know, brokerage houses and investment firms and wealth advisory management services and all that stuff. Because like we mentioned earlier, the demographics skews to older people. And if you've been working for 40 to 50 years, if you're a doctor or a lawyer or whatever, you have your money stocked away in an investment account and you want to check where your performance is today and you see some ad like, hey, generate 7 million percent returns with this crypto fund. Like, go ahead and sign up today. No oh, risk. Really? risk. No buy. financial advice, guys. We're just, we're just talking. We're just <laughs> exactly. talking. No, yeah. I mean, the, yeah. the crypto offers are, you know, they're, they're a dime a dozen. I mean, I know, you know, I've been, I've been kind of talking about crypto for a long time. I've done a couple of episodes on crypto. I, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm actually doing quite a few also to come. And yeah. the crypto offers, you know, 
obviously there's a little bit of shiny object syndrome right now with crypto. I feel like every single uh, interview that I've had in the last like three weeks or four weeks, it's always ended with like crypto as the topic, even though we're like not talking about crypto. But, um, you know, it's, it's funny because I think a lot of even, you know, I think Facebook and some of the, you know, the bigger traffic sources are, are banning anything that says crypto. But then, you know, there's ways obviously around it, but I'm just saying like, if you just have like straight up, like here's a crypto course, they're just going to ban you and stuff like that. But um, everywhere we turn, like just yesterday, I saw the craziest headline um, on, uh, on Coindesk magazine. It was like the Montreal Canadians, you know, you, you know about Montreal and that's where I'm from and we're a hockey town. Um, They just got a sponsorship from uh, crypto.com or, you know, so it's, it's, it's insane that, you know, now all of these mainstream companies are kind of following the bandwagon, but uh, big advertisers are still kind of putting the halt on stuff and making it gray hat. There's a lot of gray hat offers, but there are actually legitimate people who are just trying to educate people and stuff like that. Yeah. So anyway, you, you talked about crypto and you see, I get it always on a tangent, but um, I, you know, it's, it's interesting, at least like on, on native, like talking specifically about crypto, can you just straight up say, um, you know, uh, here's a, here's a course on, you know, crypto 101 or Bitcoin 101 or whatever is it, or are they also kind of starting to clamp down on, on ads like that? Mm, I mean, there's been a lot of like crypto biz op stuff. That's, you know, I, so my, also my lane was like, sort of like gray hat, not exactly black hat, but I definitely have run some quite aggressive offers in my time. So okay. where, there's, where there's money to be made, people will go for the easy money. And that's just yeah. the way of, that's just human nature. Um, some like the native networks may allow it here and there, but for the most part, they, they have to, like this, this business is all about relationships and the native networks don't want to burn the relationship that they have with the publishers and allow some like really scammy crypto offer to run. However, I'm, I'm fine with crypto as well, because also crypto like is trending. People are interested in it. Smart money yeah. is getting involved in it. Hedge funds are getting involved with it. Like there's actual technology built behind these coins and, the, and these tokens. And also there's legitimate exchanges where people can go and sign up. And these exchanges like Coinbase and these others are- Yeah, it's a legit company, right? Coinbase, yeah. if they want to advertise, like why wouldn't they be able to, you know? But I mean, it, I, I get it. It's the same thing. I guess the same growing pains that health and beauty had, you know, in 2008, 2009, 2010, where it was like just all these scammy products that had no value and stuff like that. We're yeah. kind of going through the the growing pains, I think with the crypto offers and eventually we'll, we'll have that. But that's super interesting. I have uh, another kind of- last last this question because I've taken a lot of your time but I'm curious this is because I don't know anything about it and I, I'm, I'm hoping yeah. so somebody can learn something but ad blockers you know having okay. like an ad blockers and you know the changes in iOS with the cookies and, and so forth that are coming um, how does that affect media buying in general like do, do you then start having more of a style of a, a news channel or a channel on TV where you're just throwing the ad up there or what kind of what's happening with all the new changes that are going to happen in ads yeah. So I think as you look at it by demographic, the older demographic, they're not really that tech savvy. They don't really know how to install ad blockers. And most of the ad blockers you see are like desktop Chrome extensions. I use them myself. Um, also, as an advertiser, e-commerce advertiser, direct response offer owner or media buyer, we don't have control over the policies that Facebook and YouTube and these giant mega companies set. So it's up to us to be able to pivot. Right. We have strategies and tactics. Our strategies are to generate con- conversions from these traffic sources. Our tactics have to change with whatever rules or updates that come up. Um, and as far as as far as ad blockers affecting native itself, actually, the, the mobile ad blockers don't really affect native ad units that much. Okay. Because most of the most of the uh, ad blockers are designed to, to prevent like, push notifications and pops and desktop pops and like this like really annoying stuff. And also the native content, the direction that these native networks are going in, and this is this answers your question in the e- and the question from the email is not only will we be consuming content on our mobile devices and and um, you know desktop phones, but with the Internet of Things, there's going to be ads on every single like you can be on the subway and see something. There could be a native ad on there, right? Like television, radio, print. And then with Internet of Things, like all these devices are going to be connected to the internet. Like your washing machine may have a native ad unit in there. The format could be different. It could be talking to you. Like, hey, hey, Maria, you have to be buy more some- tied. <laughs> you have to buy more tied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
so it's up to us as, as media buyers and offer owners to be, just be able to understand that things are changing, the demographic shifts that are happening. The millennial generation mine now has the lion's share of the population percentage. We're spending more money on our phones now than ever in history. And also COVID has accelerated the growth of e-com by like, I don't know, I think probably five to 10 years in a span of, of one year, right? Yeah. So, so this is, this is a, a good opportunity for brands to just look at the way people are consuming content and then align their marketing strategies to where, to where that content is going to influence them to convert. So do you think, okay, so that that's, you know, for ad blockers, I get that maybe native is not necessarily too much affected, but like the, yeah. the iOS, uh, you know, like not, do not track and stuff like that. Like, how is that going to affect? Because I mean, if you can't like retargeting yeah. to me, it seems like almost it's dead if, if this happens, right? Because I'm not like, you know, uh, obviously I'm, I, you know, I'm not a baby boomer or anything, so, but I'm not going to, a lot of people will say, you know, I, I've instructed my parents and just older people that I know every time something pops up, just say no yeah. <laughs> block. Don't, don't even read it because, you know, obviously, you know, the older generation, they don't know. So it's like my mom has an iPhone. She's like, I don't know. What do I do? Just, just say no. So if everybody's kind of instructed to, to remove, you know, uh, cookies and not have do not follows and so forth, how would that affect, um, you know, retargeting and all the stuff that we talked, we talked about that kind of works now. Yeah. I think a lot of it really comes down to like, identifiable information for users and user data. And th these privacy laws are, are not new. Like Europe has GDPR for Google and, and these and Facebook and these, and these other large companies. And these other companies, these large companies have all of our data. Like Google knows everything I search on my phone. They know what content I consume. They know everything. And as far as native media buying goes, I don't think it's affecting policy yet, but it most likely will. Okay. Um, and it's not going to, I mean, it may limit some targeting settings, Right, but it's not going to cut ad spend. I think ad spend is just going to increase, really. Okay. So yeah, so it, it really depends on the platform. Like Facebook has their strict rules. Like Facebook and Apple have been fighting for a couple of years now, and it's yeah. really, it's really like right now what we're seeing is is as a battle for attention and a battle for data. And these different companies, it's really like four companies that run the world pretty much. They yes. have all the data on all of us. They know what our purchasing decisions are. And it's really, it's really actually to our benefit that they don't have all this information. And it's interesting to say that as an advertiser, because I capitalize on them, right? Which is interesting, which is, you know, it's, it's fine. I don't yeah. really want them to know everything about me, but I think there needs to be a limit, right? The law sets a limit of like, okay, you don't need to know, like we're, we're having this conversation on my phone right now and Facebook wants to serve me an ad that's from the content of my conversation I'm not even give them an okay for, I'm not really yeah. cool with that, right? So I think there needs to be definitely a limit of, of how far things go with the intrusiveness of, of privacy. Really, you know, a lot of people say this, you know, privacy is dead and all that stuff, but I don't know. So we'll see. It's it's hard it's hard to say, but I mean, obviously, I hope privacy not is not dead. But I I am in the camp that believes that I think a lot of people don't appreciate or understand what their privacy is, and I think that's what's going to affect the fact that privacy may be dead. Europe's doing yeah. a better job, I think, than North America for sure. They're trying their best. But yeah. you know, the the interesting thing that I got from your conversation or your your comment about this is that you know at at the end of the day, if you're a good media buyer, you're just going to create. A better ad or you're going to do something different We're, we all have to adjust you know what i mean so yeah. back in you know when i started selling merchant accounts in 2009 okay it was like it was so it sounds ridiculous but it was so easy to get something to convert i was like man i really should have just had an acai berry page there it was like literally one page sign up done there was no copy there was like a shit shitty headline like lose 10 Random pounds notes. okay <laughs> done you lose 10 pounds what like what is that you yeah. know now you have to be all sophisticated and studies and stuff like that and you know everything evolves so i guess this is just another evolution of ad buying it's not dead it's just going to make it it's going to get rid of the fat. I guess the people that just really don't know what the hell they're doing are just going to drop off because it's going to be a little bit harder. There's going to be more things that you have to do to, to get something to convert, I guess. Yeah. I think, I think like anything that you sell can convert. It's just going to take more steps to do so. Okay. Well, yeah. that's interesting. That's a, that's a nice, nice comment. I'm just last question and, and final thoughts. Uh, I mean, do you have any predictions or something wild? Like what do you, what do you think is going to happen with native or what do you think is going to happen between this fight of Facebook and, 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 uh, and Google and so forth? Uh, this is like completely, see, this is not a part of our, our any, any script. So I'm just curious to hear your, your personal thoughts and nobody's going to hold them to you if, if they don't come true. 
my my personal thoughts are that um, it's like really interesting because if you look at um, like technology has been increasing so fast, like I don't think we really know what's coming next yet, right? So there's going to be over the next few years, it's going to be pretty crazy with what happens with like quantum computing and crypto and AI and all this stuff. It's going to exponentially increase. Um, so I'm excited. I don't know like exactly what path it's going to take, but literally 10 years ago when I was 17, I didn't have a smartphone yet. Instagram wasn't that big. YouTube was relatively big, but nothing what it is now. And people are like literally making a full-time living and doing extremely well, just being a content creator on some of these yeah. platforms. So it's really like, this is our lives are now digital. We live in a digital world. And also something as a mini bar that I've seen is, is especially now during COVID is people crave human interaction and authenticity more so than ever. Like at any time that I've ever seen, people like something real. So if you own a brand, like put a real person in front of your brand, be real about your marketing, be authentic about it. That's what differentiates Pepsi Cola from, you know, Budweiser or something like that, right? Like what yeah. differentiates you and your brand? And that could be you, Maria, who's awesome, right? That could be you with the podcast. That could be somebody who owns an e-commerce business. That could be somebody who owns a native media buying agency. It just depends on positioning and what, what you want to be seen as in the market. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. that's very good. And I mean, I, at the end of the day, even though we're so technologically advanced, what you're saying is it comes down to branding and, and somebody yeah. identifying, like, why do you want to work with me? Why does somebody want to work with you? It's because at the end of the day, you're like, well, I can work with a whole bunch of people who buy media, but I like Eli and that's, that's going to be my decision. So, uh, you know, the, the lesson of the day is, you know, although we're, we're using technology for everything and everybody's life is being digital, it still comes back to the personal relationships and how you can, you know, um, address somebody and, and make them feel comfortable with you. So thank you so much, Eli. This was a fantastic conversation. You've taught me so much about native and, and, uh, just ads and so forth. It was pretty interesting. I know that it's a little bit of a beginner, um, type of talk for you, but I hope, uh, not at all. I'm comfortable with it. Yeah, I, I've been explaining what I do to people who know nothing for like years now, years, years, years. So I'm comfortable with it. I'm totally cool. Anybody yeah, it was can. awesome. And that's, that's how we connected. Cause you were explaining something on a group and I was like, Oh, that's interesting. I need to contact him. Cause I need, I need to know more about this native. So thank you, Eli, and, uh, have yourself a great day and we'll, we'll be in touch very soon. Thanks for all the information. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hope you found today's session valuable. If you have any questions for me or just want to connect, please feel free to visit my website, mariasparagis.com. That's M-A-R-I-A-S-P-A-R-A-G-I-S.com. I'd love to hear what you're working on. So drop me a line on any hot button issues your business is experiencing. And remember, don't worry about failure. You only have to be right once. 